to me. Live from the Twin Cities, we are the Daves you know. This is the Daves I know. You want me to be that type of dude, and I want to be who you like me to, but we both know I can't do nothing at all. Welcome to the Dave's I Know podcast, episode 257. uh, I think we're all dragging ass on this one, so this one might be a short one. Just FYI for all of you listeners. Or or our brains are so fried that just to be able to get our thoughts together, it's going to be really long. Or that could also be that. Um, hopefully with the, the former, not the latter. So let's just let's just jump into it. Uh, we'll start with Minnesota United. Obviously, as we do, they played on Saturday and afternoon a matinee uh, for the kids. Minnesota United FC 2, Houston Dynamo 1. This was a soccer match, technically. <laughs> uh, they, I don't know. I brought We brought both the kids to the game. Um, we're like, oh, the, we don't get to bring them to many games because they maybe next year. I think Ragnar might be able to come to some of the, the seven o'clock games. But right now, bedtime is a little too early. And so we're like, oh, you know, there's only a few day games. So we're like, we try to bring them to the day games when we can. Uh, and this one, much like most Houston, Minnesota games, <laughs> lived, up to, lived up to his billing as being complete shit. So oh, shit. can I use the uh, word underwhelming? It that's I think a very apt description for this match, or, or, at least or, for at least for eighty minutes of this match. Because yeah, we all know for the days I know we we throw out shit a lot, and there's just been a lot of shit that goes on with MLS and Minnesota United. But this was underwhelming shit. It seems like every time Houston match, and we still yeah. won. So well, there you go. It seems like Houston and RSL. Are the two teams where we just we play yep really play dire matches against play. them. I don't know if it's like but playing down to, playing down to our competition or what. So, anyways, Minnesota United got a little bit of a of a boost when we found out that because I, I I we got there and I wasn't really paying attention to starting laps or whatever. And then about five minutes in the game, I was like, wait, where the fuck is Hector Herrera? Uh, and it turns out he was out with a right leg injury that he had picked up or a knock that he picked up maybe during the week in practice. Cause he'd played the last five or six games, the full 90. So I'm not sure where, where, when he picked up a right leg knock, but he did. So it was a uh, good news for Minnesota, uh, which was immediately followed by terrible, 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 terrible news from Minnesota. This happened right in front of you, right? Jess, this is like right where your seats are or near no. where your seats are. The Debasi injury. No. Oh, okay. I'm at the Maybe other I'll... end of the. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I was mistaken. Anyways. No but I was like, I was like, who is it? Is it DJ Taylor? And I'm looking around. No, it's not DJ Taylor. I'm like, oh, God, it's Tabasi. Oh, God, it's Tabasi. I was like, get up, please, please, please. Yeah. So he was, was undercut. Match. Yeah. Under... Undercut by a Houston player. He landed particularly hard on the turf. Was it uh, 
Daniel Steras? I think Steras took him out. Yeah. It, apparently, I, again, we were, I was paying attention to my kids. I really wasn't paying attention to, to the what was going on on the pitch. But apparently the yell was visceral and was heard several sections oh. over from where he actually was taken out. Um, which, you know, with the bossy, that, that's not, that's not the, you know, you normally don't hear that kind of Strong stuff from him. Right. And um, yeah, apparently we found out today that it was a, a ruptured thigh, I believe is the medical term that they're going uh, with. Ruptured thigh tendon. Ruptured thigh tendon. So, oh, so it was a viscerate. Yeah. Yes. Um, the joke, we, there are some people, uh, Bill McGuire specifically was making the joke about his raptured thigh. So his, his thigh had gone up to uh, ascend it to heaven and the rest of him was stuck down here on uh, in hell. Um, anyways, terrible, terrible news. It sounds like Debussy's out. He's definitely out for the rest of the year. Sounds like this is an injury that's going to take him into next year. Uh, talking to some people that I trust in terms of um, athlete athletic injuries. Uh, particularly Dan Wade, he seems he seems to think this is like an eight to twelve month recovery process. So I think Debassi is going to miss a, a, a good chunk of next year too, even if he's on the short end of recovery for for this injury. So which is not not awesome. So and such so, so because that dude is Debassi is so good. He's super low key and he's super underrated. I think when it comes to oh yeah, my god, MLS soccer pundits years like Holy Ghost. Like he's really, he's made a name for himself. Like I used to feel like, oh, he's really good. But like, I always associate him with Metanier. And now I'm like, no, dude has like clearly earned himself his own infamy as a starting loon in uh, that position. And I was immediately devastated thinking just merely by the amount of time he was down and not moving. I I was like, Oh, that's gotta be a bad one. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, sounds like many is, is we'll be back soon ish, but we've heard that before. Um, with this damn team. Legs. So, and, uh, but yeah, Debasi, I think Metnir at least was getting, I mean, Metnir was an all-star, his first year, he got some some um, love from like national uh, pundits and things like that. I think Debassi was highly, highly underrated by the national. I mean, not in Minnesota. I think people in Minnesota knew uh, how hard he worked and how great he was, especially compared with or partnered with Boxall. Um, mm-hmm. So Brent Coleman comes in in the seventh minute with his uh, ridiculous, yeah. ridiculous cop, cop stash that he has. Um I feel that like was... Tyler Miller like peeled his off his face and then pasted it on Coleman's face in the locker room. And he was like, go get him champ and slapped his butt. Do you think that, that happened? It's a, a, an image I do not want in my head. Uh, so no, not, 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 not. Thank you. <laughs> but it will uh, be in Jess's dreams <laughs> all night long. Uh, we're going to talk about, you know, the, uh, potential center back options um, in a little bit here, but so Coleman comes on and to be fair, uh, he does a decent job. Um, yeah. He he didn't make any mistakes uh, to his credit. So good for him. In the 24th minute, there's a head to head collision between uh, Corey Baird and Kervin Ariaga, which again, stops the game for like three or four minutes. And it looked horrible. Uh, that one it looked did. really bad too. And you, uh, both... you could hear the, the heads collide. Yeah, that one both... happened right in front of me. Okay. Both Baird and Ariaga um, 
go have to go off and get bandit bandaged up, uh, which meant that there was six minutes of stoppage time at the end of the first half. And the Dynamo take advantage of that. Minnesota's defense completely breaks down. Uh, they have been they've been sort of dogging it for the last sort of 10 minutes of the half. Um, this is it was a back and forth end to end. Minnesota would, would attack. Um, Houston would get the ball back. They would attack. It was just it was really it was a very chaotic about 10 to 15 minutes. But right before this goal, uh, Houston, I can't remember the, the Houston player passes it to the basically the middle, the top of the right near the top of the 23 year old Griffin Dorsey. Motherfucker. Griffin Dorsey. Yeah. Griffin Dorsey. Pass. Corey Baird, who's, who's just above the, the 18. Um, and he, he, I think he means to fire into the right corner or the left. So yeah, the Dane's the right corner the left corner. He kind of whiffs on the ball, but Dane was coming out to, to make a play on it. I, I think to, to cover this goal. And he just like, he ends up chipping the ball over Dane he didn't intend to do that. I was like watching that, like watching the replay, especially. But like, oh, even I, th- in, in I thought the he intended it, to. Ch- I thought he slowed down and, and tried. And oh tried no, 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 no! He was trying to smash it into the into the into the left, the far the far left corner, and <laughs> Dane was coming out to to cut down the cut down the angle, and he just whiffed on the ball, but he got enough of it where it it just literally just kicked up over Dane's head. Dane was stuck oh, in no man's land. It was it was very unfortunate. Um, you know, I think Dane. I mean, to be fair, Dane maybe could have done a little bit better, but I don't think he could have done much better. The defense completely broke down. Corey Bear was wide open by himself with not a loon within seven yards of him, I don't think, and had plenty of time. Probably could have taken a, a touch on that ball. and then, uh, But he tried to one-time it and, yeah, pretty much whiffed on it, but he got enough of the ball and got, got underneath it enough where it sort of like just sort of ricocheted over uh Dane St. Clair's head. So it was an unfortunate goal. Uh put Houston up one and nothing going into the half. And again, I don't know if you guys ever look at the game flow uh tweets that I throw into the our agenda, but the game flow was basically all Minnesota in yep. the first half. It just Minnesota was dominating. They just couldn't finish to save their save their fucking lives. So oh it was so frustrating. Come out in the second half. Is there anything else on the first half before I jump into the second half, MJ, Jess? Well, I guess, okay, this is a two-part question. So my first question for on the first half is like, what essentially went so wrong? Like what, I we couldn't finish, we couldn't finish passes. Bingo, bingo. Um, but is there somebody to blame we're gonna get to that in my shitty freddy adieu but oh okay 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 well i'm gonna ask there's one person that i thought was turning it over in the attacking third way way too much uh and but overall creating chances not finishing and then just total brain farts on on the other yes that was a really great long pass but it was a situation where due to a set piece, we had both center backs up high and that's fine. But then we had no cover for them backwards and center backs aren't known to be super speedy. So they rely on being smart and positioning well. So, you know, yeah, there, there was just too many people way out of position on that last goal. Also Minnesota United has a just 
likes to take mental vacations at the end of the halves. And David and I have lamented this forever. And I will say this is not all on, on Heath and the coaching staff, although I, I think they need to stress it more. But the, the players definitely need to be aware of, of this as a habit and a tendency. And it's very a very human thing to do. It, it was, yeah, to answer, to, I mean, to answer your question, Jess, it was, it was, you answered it. It was just finishing. It was, it was not being able to make that final pass. And then when they were able to make that, that final pass, the finishing was just absolutely atrocious. And this has been. Even- I mean, Luis Amaria's sitter is the one that really sticks out on me where, where he, he, he had it and, and he just kicked it right at. Oh yeah. The- that one. Well, that's the keeper. That's coming. That's in the second half. That is. That isn't even in the first half. But oh, but, really? My bad. Yeah. To, but to the. I mean, he may have had another one in the first half. But like the one, I think the one you're thinking of was, was definitely the, the second half. Yeah, yeah. It was. It, it was. It was in the because I was right in front of the wonder wall. Yeah. I think that the whole the the thing is with with this team. Uh, I'm thinking of one at the beer, at the brew hall. Okay. So there there was there was so there's multiples of those. Anyways, yeah. Long story short, it's just the team. Uh, you know, they have a hard time finishing in, which is kind of impressive considering that they've of the 33 points they've been able to have over the last 11 games, they have 26. They've only, right. They had, you know, the one loss and uh, uh, the two draws. So it's, you know, in spite of that terrible finishing, they've been playing pretty well, but you know, when you get to the playoffs, that will kill you if you can't, yeah, if you can't finish. So, so let's, let's jump into that second half. Uh, the 46th minute, Heath makes a sub at halftime. Uh, good for him. Um, I try to. Woo! I think I probably we could probably count on the on our hand on one hand. We probably the number one of times fi- that's happened. One finger, the number of times he's made a sub at halftime. I that's that's mostly a joke. I think he's done it a couple times. But he brings on Will Trap uh, for Bongi, who unfortunately had a I think a pretty not. I mean, not he didn't have a terrible game, but he was definitely not involved as much as he should have been. And Lude moves up to the right wing. Uh, the 53rd minute, Amaria has a amazing bike kick that just in front of the Wonder Wall that just yeah, missed I was the goal. Dancing until somebody tapped me and said offsides. The I, I think the bike kick well, he would have been onside. Um, there was a goal that was scored that that was off called off. Oh yeah, yeah. This isn't this isn't the goal. This is just a this is oh. this is just the bike. This is the bike kick. So I think this is it was beautiful. Pre- it was pre-goal, I think. I think they scored the goal shortly thereafter. Um, but again, it was offside. And he was well offside. He was very, very offside. But he was unmarked. Right. T- totally unmarked. And, you know, and, and this is a, this will be a theme here in a little bit. But Amaria just sort of being left unmarked by Houston. 61st minute, again, totally unmarked. Um, this, is the, this is the one I'm thinking about, MJ, where he gets a pass at the top of the, you know, maybe just inside the 18. Um, they're just inside the six, I think, or right, right in the top of the six. He has all the time in the world. He literally could put the ball anywhere on the net and he hits it directly into the ground at Steve Clark, right, right in front of the wonder wall. Um, there's, yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. There's, there was debate about whether he was potentially offside. It sounds like I didn't, I didn't go back. I didn't go back and look at this one, this, this game in particular, just going based on my time, you know, standing in the wonder wall, but he could be very much could have been offside, but he did nothing with that ball. And at that point, everybody was just sort of like dejected. It was like, okay, it's going to be one of those games where, you know, we're just going to, we're just going to scuff the ball right into the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper's yeah. going to stand at his head and we're going to lose this game one to nothing, whatever. Um, 
68th it minute. Like- it definitely did. The I, I will say the Amaria bike kick that missed really did re-energize the crowd. I think the crowd was came out of the second half and was it was a little um a little stale, but the Amaria yeah. bike kick definitely helped rejuve- rejuvenate the crowd. Um yeah. I think that you know something seeing something like that is pretty awesome, and especially if it just missed. It was it wasn't like he bike kicked it into the 30th row. Right, he right. it, and, it, and it missed the goal by you know a foot, if that. 68 minutes more like three or four feet, but yeah, it, it sure it didn't miss my bunch. What whatever, but it was a gorgeous bike kick. Uh 68th minute sub uh sub comes on Mender Garcia. He comes on for Ariaga, which puts is this his first showing? Uh first in Minnesota. He played a few minutes uh, at the end of the last game. If I'm not mistaken, not, not the Austin game. Or no. Did he play in the Austin game? He came out in the Austin game for like, like yeah, eight he, or nine he's, minutes. He's been subbed on before. Oh, okay. Yeah. He hasn't played. He it's not gotten as many minutes as he got today. I think he's come on for like eight or nine minutes at the end of the games. Uh, he sure. comes on for for Ariaga, which gives Minnesota two center forwards uh, for the I think possibly the first time this season, and they played more of like a four one three two with Will Trap. Um, and then, I claim it's a four three three, but okay. I mean, yeah, both Amri and Mender uh, Garcia up there. So, yep. um, was it Fragapane or is it Lute? I mean, maybe it, it, it's it could be. It's maybe like a four one three two when you're attacking, a four three three playing when you're on defense. Maybe I guess I would I would give you that. It, so. it looked like they were playing with three forwards and 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 three three in the with uh, Lude and uh, who was playing uh, Lude Trap and Lude being so? the six Trap on the left and Rosales on the right. I forget. Rosales. Yeah, it, I don't think- it, it looked it looked like they were playing with three three center midfielders. Rosales wasn't out there. Rosales wasn't out there, dude. It was yeah, okay. So I don't know. Either way, I tweeted about it. Damn it. There's there was definitely a a, a sort of switch in in formation, and definitely this was an aggressive move by Inchi to bring yes, on another it. another center it was forward. Attack minded. And in the 79th minute, uh, Luz get their first goal um, from a Reynoso free kick. I will say to start this though, um, Houston trying to play out the back. And right, and Fragapani does almost the exact same thing he did against Austin the week before, where the goalkeeper Clark kicks it out to I can't remember the defender, but anyways, Fragapani kind of is playing, um, uh, like playing kind of suck hole and then makes a makes a, a move on the ball, steals the ball. The Houston defender has to has to make a, a play on him, and Fragapani goes down just outside the 18 to win a free kick. It was almost almost to a T the exact identical play that Fragapani scored on against Austin last week, which is, that's something to be, that's, that's another wrinkle that Minnesota hadn't really shown. I mean, obviously we've seen Minnesota want to play a more pressing uh, from their, from their forwards and they don't do it all game long. They it's, but it seems like they've decided to pick and choose the times and places when they are doing that pressing which, you know, you don't, unlike, you can't, no team can press from their, from the front for 90 minutes, right? You know, we saw that, was it seven years ago when Klopp took over Liverpool and he made, he made all the forwards press for 90 minutes and they were just, they were just dead by the end of the year. It's in, it, many other teams have, have do this. They have a, a sort of selective pressing. They identify opportunities and places where maybe the, the defense and the goalie are getting complacent. They're not, they're not looking you know two or three passes ahead 
and then Minnesota's pouncing. And again, this is just drew of a free kick at the top of the box. We know that's Reynoso, Reynoso's danger area, um, his no-no area, if you were, if you're a goalkeeper. <laughs> and Reynoso hits a, just a gorgeous free kick. It was going, I think it was going on frame. Clark might have gotten to it, but Fafa Picole sticks his leg out um, to get try and get a boot on it to clear it, and it just deflects off his boot for an own goal right in front of the wonder wall. Um, it was an amazing free kick by Reynoso. Again, I'm, it may have gone in. It went, officially went down as an own goal for Fafa Picot. It, it certainly, after it hit uh, Fafa, it definitely changed direction, yes. direction that Steve Clark was expecting. Yeah. So but we, we got an assist there. But Reynoso uh, hit it with pace. And if, you know, he may, he may have, he may have gone in. Who knows? But yeah, it was either on way, Yeah. Either way, goal's a goal. So uh, Minnesota uh, ties it up 1 1 in the 79th minute. Anything from that goal? MJ, that you noticed or wanted to highlight? Uh, I just like Will Trap. I don't know if he took the captain's armband immediately when he was subbed on, but he was there talking with the ref, showing where the mark was, where the loon was taken down, and arguing that it should have been a penalty kick. He was like, "Look, look at this scuff mark. He went down. Yeah. It's in the box." And he definitely was. It, 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 it reminded me of like watching the French open and tennis players pointing like with the umpire. And cause with the clay courts, you can see scuff, scuff marks where the ball is, whether it was in or out. And it just, it just reminded me like, Hey, look, we have physical evidence. We're, we're not playing on turf. This is grass. You can see where the, where he went down. This is where he went down. Look, look, look ref, look. Yeah. And ref it was, was like, what is this CSI? Get off. <laughs> yeah. It was great to get Will Trap back out there for 45 minutes and, doing the shithousery that Will Trap likes to do. So I think he's a very good captain as far as like being a team advocate and normally keeping a cool head on his shoulders. <laughs> okay. Agree to disagree on that. Agree to disagree on that. <laughs> Sorry. One, but... <laughs> uh, keep a cool head on his shoulders when talking with the refs. He gets fired up when talking about the refs sometimes, but like, sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Not keeping a cool head when it comes to yellow cards. All right. And then, so the, then you could definitely, the, the tide had definitely turned at that point. Uh, the Wonderwall was in full voice and it was only, we, I think everybody felt it was only a matter of time before Minnesota scored again. This time from Amaria, who's been on, you know, a bit of a hot streak himself in spite of his, his triumvirate of uh, uh, near misses all game um, or yeah. just completely terrible decisions that he made. When you're a striker, you need to you need to have a short memory. It's it's just like in baseball or you know any sort of sport, or right? Sales. Yeah, any yeah, you need to have a short memory. <laughs> you fuck up the you fuck up the one, you got to turn around and just forget about it and just do the yep. next one. And it's a lot harder. Um, you know, think about baseball. Is that oh, you strike out, you forget about it, you go to the next plate. Well, you have, you know, an hour to think about your next uh, your next at bat. Yeah. When you're playing soccer, uh, when you're playing, when you're a striker, especially you may, you may get the next thing might be in 30 seconds. It might not be for another 10 minutes. So it's, it's a whole, there's, there's a lot of mind games that go in there. So credit to Amaria for, for getting his head straight. Um, he gets a great ball. So Amaria uh, Benitez. So Benitez and Reynoso sort of play a one, two um, Benitez passes it back to Reynoso. Reynoso sort of like draws in two defenders. Benitez kind of hangs back. He makes a great run. Reynoso puts the ball right to him. Uh, towards the end line and Benitez basically is all the time in the world. He picks his head up, looks around, um, you know, does a little shimmy, uh, you know, uh, 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 a little shimmy and then finds Almeria standing all alone at the top of the six, literally nobody around him. 
passes the ball straight to Amari, who just one times it with his right foot into the back of the net pass Steve Clark. And again, I do not know how anybody like no one was marking on Maria. Maybe they just assumed that he, because he'd been shanking them all match that he was just going to do that again. And they could, they could afford to like not put a defender on him, but you should probably put a defender on the team's uh, starting nine. That's good soccer coaching one-on-one from the days I know um, put a defender on the number nine. But that's a 84th minute goal, and that gives Minnesota a 2-1 lead and the win. Um, not much happened after that. Minnesota did some really good time wasting, but otherwise, you know, a, a terrible 80 minutes or sorry, 78 minutes, a really good, you know, 12 minutes, and yeah. Minnesota comes away with all three points. MJ. One on the goal. That was the second Paraguayan pair goal that we've seen from Minnesota United, where it was a Benitez to Amalia. And just a reminder, they both played for Libertad in Paraguay. They've been playing together since maybe 12 or 13 years old, at least officially on paper since around 17, 18 years old. They've been, they've known each other and have played together. So uh, nice to see those two with the Paraguayan connection. Uh, hope to see more goals like that after seeing that game in Houston and honestly all season, just so many errant crosses or diagonal balls not find their target. You know, the right idea of like playing that, that safer, shorter diagonal ball and either no one cutting to it or someone's there, but it's like three feet off. That one hit Luis Amaria right in the wheelhouse. It was right on target. He could one touch that. He could place it right where he wanted to. And so just the whole way that that goal was orchestrated was really pretty. And I want to see more of it. Yeah. I'll say too, that ever since that, that game a couple of weeks ago where Benitez had just an absolute stinker of a defensive performance, um, but managed to score a goal to win the game. Um, he's played much better defense. Like I, I had no, I had no issues with him in this defense. And if he's able to get forward an offense, um, like he is, and he's able to, uh, you know, he can play decent enough uh, right back for the team. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see what happens when Romain Metnir comes back into the back into the fold. Um, I think Benitez has definitely earned the spot. I mean, I, I think we were all a little, um, I don't know, I was a little, and I think MJ, you probably were too, um, a little upset that, Benitez came in over DJ Taylor, even though DJ Taylor had been playing pretty well and had done nothing to lose his spot. Um, yeah. But Benitez came in. Um, and then, of course, Kamar Lawrence goes out. So DJ Taylor's the, the versatility of DJ Taylor is nice because he can slide over to the left and he can play on the left. Um, so it's been, it's, he's able to be able to get some time and play. And he's been playing pretty well, too. That dude, um, he was probably actually, honestly, the best player in the first half for Minnesota United was DJ Taylor. Oh, for sure. Oh, <laughs> honestly. And uh, so consistent, um, uh, reliable. Uh, yeah. On the goal that was scored, Debassi and, uh, or not Debassi, Coleman and Boxall and Benitez were all up. DJ Taylor and Kervin Ariaga are the only two back. That's not right. enough right. To, to, to be back there. And so, yeah, DJ Taylor, really good performance. And when Benitez went up, Kervin did a really good job at cycling behind and, and being back there. Now, yeah, if you know the Loon's 4-2-3-1 formation, when Kervin's cycling back and taking that right back spot, someone needs to also cycle back and take Kervin's center midfield spot. 
defensively that was not happening <laughs> but right. you know at least Kirvin under understood his defensive responsibilities when Alan Benitez went up yeah I mean, so I think it's safe to say that Benitez has the you know the right back spot sort of on lockdown right now um you know DJ Taylor again has done nothing to to work himself out of the or play himself out of the lineup but my guess is that if Lawrence is back he will he, he will get likes the, offensive fullbacks and yes. DJ Taylor is a more reliable defensive fullback I sometimes wish Heath would pick and choose starters and bench fullbacks based on who we're playing. Like this is a team that we're going to need to absorb a lot of defensive pressure. Let's play more defensive fullbacks and then have our more attacking fullbacks come off the bench and create chaos. Um, This is a team where we want to be on the front foot and attack more uh, with our fullbacks, but baby steps. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> oh, you know, you don't see a ton of teams switch up, you know, good teams switch up their, their back line based on who the, uh, who their opponent is, right? The, the idea is that, and this is an issue that we had from the, those first couple of years at, that Martin and I bitched about all the time was like, let's play a different formation because we're playing different teams. And, and then every time we come back to and be like, well, you know, that's because we suck and we're not good <laughs> and we don't, and we yeah. like, there's a, there's a reason we we can't you know we can't do it and also because we don't have good players like if we had good players then we should do it but then it's like well if we have good players and we're playing well like we should be able to force our will on most yes, teams in the I league agree. right so like we should have to completely change our fucking formation so it's it's a it's an argument it's that a valid point David That's yeah that point. you can't either win or lose every everybody loses in that one so uh, any anything else on the match itself um, again no. other than it was it was you know, 80 minutes of kind of shit soccer and then 10 minutes of, of really good soccer. So, right. So part two of my question is in the second half or let's say the last 12 minutes, Zeller, what changed that enabled us to finish our chances and finish our passes? Fuck if I know. Well, to David's point, I will say that the, the fuck if I know point. The fu- Yeah. <laughs> No, go ahead, MJ. Point. We concur. He has no idea. No, something he mentioned earlier was the formation change and, and the substitutions we made. And I would say that the different players that we brought on and the formation change we had did seem to affect the game positively on the attacking side. David? Yeah, no, I, I would agree. I mean, it definitely, it definitely changed how... Houston was trying to like Houston had more players to have to mark. Right. And yeah. clearly they, their, their communication was not great because they kept leaving dudes wide open in the middle of the box. Um, and I think it also just increased. Yeah, this is weird to say, but it, it just like the, the, bringing those subs on um, just increased the intensity of the team because it's weird to say, but I think it's, you know, one of the, it's like the team said, oh shit. Like before the game, it was, when it was one, nothing. It wasn't like they bring in Mender Garcia. It's like, okay. You know, that, that to me does not scream like, Hey, we're trying to, we're trying to sneak out a, a goal and get a one, one draw at home here. It's like, no, no, no. We're yeah. putting, we're putting dudes in the box. We are going to try and score goals. We, we, we know we can score on set pieces. We have Reno. You have Reynoso. Who's one of the best set piece takers in the league. Right. Mm-hmm. And you and you have two. You have Mender Garcia, who 
by all accounts from people that I trust who've turned, gone to practice is, is the fastest dude on in on the team right now. Yeah. Right. And you have and you have Amaria who, you know, has is more of that sort of traditional number, you know, traditional number nine, um, you know, poacher kind of, you know, almost Ramirez esque poacher kind of striker. And you have a dude who can run in Metro Garcia and you have Reynoso. Like, so I don't know if it's if that is like all of a sudden, you know, you know, the Will Traps, the Fragapanes, uh, the Boxels, you know, the players on the pitch are like in and Benitez and, and uh DJ Taylor are like, okay, we're gonna we're going for it. Like, let's get the ball off field and see if we can make something happen. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that might be part of it. It seemed it's I'm always just like, oh yeah, like this this one thing changed the entire complexity of the game, well, complexion of the game really and all that. Asinine question to like oh, pose it's, it, but it's you know, an oversimplification sometimes yeah. reveals certain insights. Yeah. I certainly couldn't put my finger on anything, and that's why I asked it. Yeah. I, yeah. To your point, I don't think that there's one specific thing that like changed how things you know that, that that made it so much of a difference that it like overwhelmed Houston. It was just I think partly it was Houston, you know, losing a little bit of focus, maybe being tired. Mm-hmm. Um it the I mean it wasn't super hot, but it was really muggy and like I don't know, it was it wasn't the and it, you know it wasn't super sunny and, and you know like brow beating weather, but it also wasn't you know super awesome. No it was an after it was an afternoon game. I'm not sure when Houston got it, but maybe there was just a little bit of that too. It's like if we just play our game <clears throat> long enough, eventually the other team is going to, you know, they're going to have a me- like a mental break, a mental fart or whatever, a brain fart, and, and then <laughs> let something. And which, which is, I mean, honestly, I think there's that's the only reason I can explain why Amaria was standing by himself with with nobody within a you know a seven you know a seven meter circle around him um, right. when he had that ball. Like he had all day to take that to take that shot, and he. You know, managed to one time and put in the back of the net. So um, he could have took, he could have took that ball down, probably taken a touch and then shot it and it would have, he would have scored. So that's, that's a mental breakdown. That's not a, that's not, you know, we Mender Garcia just beat a dude to a ball and was able to chip the keeper. That's, and Amri <laughs> tried to chip the keeper late in the game, which is also awesome. I always appreciate a good chip from, from 30, 35 yards out. So, and he wasn't uh, too far off. He wasn't far off and Darwin Quintero had just come on the pitch and he's like just watching Darwin Quintero laugh like at Amaria trying to chip a goalkeeper for Minnesota. It was it was fantastic. So and we all know Darwin likes to chip keepers, but Darwin yes. subbed in in the 87th minute. Uh, David hit. I thought he was getting more playing time this year, not as a starter, but coming off the bench more in the 60, 70th minute. It's a good question, man. I, I figured he would have got more time, especially against Minnesota, especially with that with Hector. Well, he's got seven. Contreras got seven goals for for Houston, and especially yeah. with Hector Herrera out. I I, I assume that Quintero would get a little more time, but um, they decided to go with Baird up top for most of the game. So you get them a goal. Yeah, uh, Nagamura um, maybe overthinking it a little bit uh, playing Minnesota. Yeah. So all right, let's. Let's do our failure news and be, and then just as uh, post match hot or not, uh, so we can get rid of this game. We spent way too much time talking about this game that we were not going to yeah, spend a ton of time talking about. Game. So, uh, all right, MJ, who do you got for your good Freddie news and, and shitty Freddie news? Uh, so my good Freddie news one, I 
this is rare, but I do really like the the mop on his head. Adalberto Carasquia. Sorry about that. Adalberto Carasquia, number twenty. Uh, he was in the midfield, causing all sorts of trouble, both defensively and offensively for Minnesota United. I really like the way he played. As if I were to try to be more objective about this, uh, always tracking back on defense, always coming back to help his uh, back line with an outlet pass on trying to play out the back or um, looking for that next progressive pass in the midfield. Um, so I'll, I'll give a shout out to him. And I think the obvious is uh, like, like Luis Amaria, just like, especially in that second half played really, really well. Yeah, I agree. I think I, I would give it to Amaria. Um, if, if only for that bike kick, man, <laughs> like that was yeah. a thing of beauty. Which- to your point, and a lot of people made this point, the crowd was really out of it because it was a blah game. It was a very stale yeah. game at that point from a Loon's attacking standpoint. And that really energized the crowd. And they after that, every near near chance that we got down in the offensive attacking area, Minnesota United fans, the Allianz field just came alive. So, yeah. That, yeah. I will say the... <clears throat> I think the single worst soccer match I've ever seen was <laughs> not this one, but it was against Houston. I think it was, was it 2018? It was zero, zero. It was like 95 degrees. Uh, and it was just, I don't think, I think there's maybe one or two shots on goal the entire game. It was, it was, I, and I've gone down to Houston or t- gone down to Kansas city and watched Minnesota lose like five to one. Um, in the, in the open cup when they're, when fucking inchy's playing like a three, five, two diamond with, uh, fucking, um, what's his face? Chacon up top. Like I, so I've seen some shit soccer, man. I, I watched my, I watched my, my son, uh, my three-year-old son play soccer all, all winter. I've seen some crap soccer. And I think that Houston, Minnesota game in 2018 might be like, Pound for pound, the worst soccer match I've ever seen. So, and, and I've seen some really other, some really terrible Houston, Minnesota games. So, get me wrong, both in Houston and in Minnesota. Like, so this one was up there. It wasn't 2018, uh, 0 0 draw bad, but it was still pretty fucking bad. Speaking of worst things, my shitty Freddy Adu goes to Bongo Kukle Shangwane because that dude was a turnover nightmare and not in the pressing Houston into creating turnovers as in he was coughing the ball up for us left and right. And it got to the point where like Kervin Ariaga and Alan Benitez stopped passing to him. I mean, when he was the obvious pass, he was the only person open and he was in the right spot, but they, they would look him off and go for something, some stupid pass rather than giving that guy more touches on the ball because he was always trying to do way too much. Um, he was, not picking his, his head up to find uh, passes. He was passing blind, just kind of hoping and assuming where a, a teammate would be. Um, he was trying to take on two defenders when he shouldn't. Um, but yeah, that guy was a turnover machine. Uh, really like he subbed a trap on and then moving mood um, up to that spot early in the second half. Yeah. All right, Jess, it's time. Post-match um... hot or not. Award-winning, thank you. Award-winning, yeah. All right, this one's short and sweet. Not hot, never been hot, is jersey grabbing, pulling, reaching, or synonyms of that ilk. 
I hate it. It's cheap. Like, I don't think professional players should be able to be caught more than once per game. Clearly, arm's length reaching for a player's jersey. It's disgusting. I disrespect it as a general practice. If you are a professional footballer, you should not have to grab jerseys. All right. Next, I've got a big ginger schadenfreude shout out to my ginger man on Houston. I believe his name is T. Parker. Is it Tim? I don't know. Anyway, orange and navy, or it might have been black. Like it was an optical illusion effect, I'm pretty sure. But those colors do you absolutely no favors, ginger. But don't worry. I knew you weren't working as hard as it looked like you were out there. You just have more pores per square inch and sweat like a motherfucker. Cheers, Ginger. We win. And I'll wrap it up there. Hot, always hot, never out of style. Winning three points at home in the last 12 minutes of a really, really fucking frustrating game uh hats off to my sexy loons for pulling it out i don't know how you did it but i'm glad you did sometimes it's just got to know when to pull out jess <laughs> amen. <laughs> amen all right <laughs> uh so we only really have one um uh, big question obviously bakai debasi he's out for the rest of the season and started of the next season with that ruptured thigh tendon um, th this is a, this is a huge blow for Minnesota United. So I figured we could talk just very briefly about, I know I, I think I threw it in a, one of the slacks that I'm in, like, um, how much money would John Anthony Brooks need to come to play for Minnesota yeah. United? I did um, not realize he, he, he was not signed by, yeah, Wolfsburg. he's out of, he's out of contract and he's, yeah. he's, he's a free agent. Um, however, doesn't sound like Minnesota is going to go that route. It sounds like they are going to stick with what they have. They uh, have uh, Nabi Kimiguchi, who has played a little bit of time for Minnesota United, only as a midfielder, though. He has not played on the back line. Obviously, they have Brent Coleman, but Coleman is definitely not a like for like replacement for Debasi. No uh, way. And then they have, uh, is it um, Tommy? Is it Williamson? Is that is that the other the uh, other kid? No, he's he's a forward. No, they have another. Uh, are you thinking of Cal Montgomery? Montgomery, yes, Montgomery. Um, yeah, so they have two very inexperienced uh, central defenders. Uh, they have Brent Coleman, who obviously has played has played with Boxall and probably would be the uh, number one choice. Yeah, and uh, she's great for sure. Adrian Heath did mention, apparently, though, in his uh, presser today that Kervin Ariaga has played some center back, and so my Ooh. guess is that he might get he might give him a run out. However, that makes our midfield depth, you know, mm -hmm. short as well. I mean, obviously I think we have, we have a little more if, if trap is back, um, we know we lewd can play there uh, in the midfield in a pinch. <coughs> the other big question is why can't Robin Lou just drop back further down the pitch and play as a <laughs> center back? Um, I was, listening, so I was listening to AM 1500 on the, on the way there when I was really late and they actually interviewed both uh, Amos McGee and Adrian Heath before the game. And Adrian Heath said that on Lutz moving to the center midfield, he's like, 
I never have to explain to Robin Lude, hey, when the game states this way, when these many players are up, then you need to drop back and be more defensive. Like he just does it. He just gets it. So yeah, I think that dude could play anywhere. Yeah. So the uh, so yeah. So that I mean the roster freeze for the playoffs, I believe, is this Friday. So if Minnesota did make a move or was going to make a move, they can't. There's they can't do any trades. They can't. Uh, they can't sign. Yeah, they can't do, bring any transfers in. They could sign free agents. So people who are not currently signed to a team. If you go to transfer mark, you can see the center backs that are uh, still out there. Um, one Stephen Cocker, MJ, is still available as a free agent <laughs> center back. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so there's not uh, there's not a ton of options out there in the in the um, you know non Minnesota realm. My guess is we'll see Coleman. We you know potentially may see Ariaga. Um, but who s- would you back. rather see, Ariaga well, or get- Coleman? Yeah, uh, you have to like, decide right now. That's like asking me if I should punch my left ball or my right ball. Well, yeah, either, <laughs> I'm either, either, either way, I'm gonna throw up. So, um, can I ask these questions? No, uh, <laughs> I mean, since they played together, I guess common. I know, me I, too, and I hate myself for it. I don't like it. I guess it'd be interesting. <laughs> I, Obviously, we're not out of practice, so you know we can reach out to some of our uh, reporter friends who are out there if they see Ariaga playing with with Oxo. It wouldn't surprise me if, um, especially considering Brent Coleman's uh, penchant for getting yellow and red cards, uh, they need to play Ariaga at, at center back at some point. Mm-hmm. I guess. I guess I would say here's how I. Th- they don't have a full week because obviously they're going to RSL on Wednesday. I would have, I would have Ariaga training with Boxall as much as possible. You know, we know that Brent Coleman can play with, with Michael Boxall mm-hmm. um, as a left back to Boxall's right back, right? We've seen it. It's happened in the past. They have mm-hmm. chemistry. It's not, it's obviously not the same as Debassi. I guess I'd rather see Ariaga and see what that pairing looks like even in a short week. Um, but if, even if you want to ha- have box will be the, the, the center back on Wednesday plan on Ariaga being the center back on Saturday. Um, mm-hmm. So you saw so the play, all the practice time goes between box and Ariaga knowing that you're going to have um, Ariaga step in on Saturday, just because we know what box in common is. We don't know what box and Ariaga looks like. And it, it might be, right. might be okay. It might be enough. Um, I mean, is it, do you go with the devil, you know, or the devil, you don't know. Right. Yeah. So. Well, I think we have to support Heath in picking the devil. He don't know because he's like kind of tried that a little bit originally recently. So we shall see. Uh, all right. Anything else MJ on Debassi that you wanted to touch on? No, just that, uh, Jeremy rushing has a great article on it where both Heath and Colin are, are quoted. My biggest concern is that Coleman can go 90 minutes, obviously being subbed in early for the Debassi injury versus Houston proves that he can go the long haul. Uh, but yeah, we, we just don't want to have him being uh, thinking he needs any performance enhancing drugs or anything like that to uh, right. recover from 90 minutes of playing soccer. <clears throat> uh, Forgot about so that. So I would prefer him what? coming off the bench uh, 
or starting. And then when he's obviously gassed and can't defend anymore, you know, have someone, whoever that is, keeping Gucci, Ariaga, someone that can come in. Okay. Uh, all right. Minnesota United 2. Uh, they played right after the Loons match or, or shortly after the Loons match. They lost the Dynamo to one to nothing on a Dynamo penalty kick in the first half. Uh, they are all but eliminated. They, mathematically, they still, they're sitting in fifth place in the Western Conference. They still have a chance at the playoffs, but lots of things have to go their way, right, MJ? They they would need to win out because they most likely will not win. Uh, like if they were to get two wins and a draw in their last three games, they they lose the tiebreaker to Texas North Texas. So they need to win all their three last games. And they the good thing is I think they hold their their destiny in their hands, if you will. Uh, two of their last three games are against two teams right above them in North Texas and San Jose. But we were hoping they'd win against Houston, so they didn't have to win against <laughs> North Te- Texas and, and San Jose. Uh, anyway, uh, the big thing is you should still support them. They play this Saturday uh, at Allianz Field, 6 p.m. versus North Texas. And uh, yeah, they need to win this game. Their previous games against North Texas lose 3-1. That was the first game of the season. And back in June, they lost 4-0. I would like to think that Cameron Knowles knows his squad and has maybe more of control of his roster at this point, but probably not. It's probably whoever Heath says he can have. Well, they're currently in sixth place. Um, they have 33 points. They're behind San Jose, who's in fifth, 34 points. North Texas is on 40 points. So they would need to win their last three and then have some help. Um, North Texas needs to not play well as well as San Jose. Yeah. So, and they don't control their destiny. They, they definitely need a lot of help. So um, it's unfortunate though, but I mean, not a terrible showing, um, you know, if they're finishing that five, six range, that's perfectly, I think perfectly acceptable for a first year, uh, a first year team. Agreed. All right. Other United news. Uh, Amaria makes the team of the week bench for his performance on Saturday. And the Minnesota United FC two announced a signing of a 20 year old Colombian defender, uh, Juan Mosquera to a loan through July of 2023 with a purchase option. Um, Mosquera has played uh, 301 minutes across six games for Cortalua in Colombia's top flight in 2022. Uh, thanks to Andy Greeter for that, <clears throat> that little nugget. Um, saw that. Uh, on Twitter earlier today. So uh, Minnesota United FC too making moves for some younger players that potentially could help the, the, the big, the big team here in a little bit. So, all right, MJ, let's do better than a loon. And then we'll take a quick break. So uh, this is a guess a loon. And so that's time for me to quiz David and Jessica. Uh, Jessica, you get to go first. I don't know okay. why. I just think that's the way this should go. So, uh, hint number one, previously played in the third and fourth divisions for clubs in Spain. This, this is a current loon? loon. Current loon. Current loon. Three, two. I know. Benitez. Wrong. David. Uh, Rosales. Wrong. Born in Raleigh, North Carolina. Will Trap. Wrong. David. Uh, who are the Americans on the... 
It's not uh it's not Wea, right? No. Not Wea. Okay. Uh Amar Lawrence. Debuted in the USL championship for North North Carolina FC in a friendly versus Swansea City. Wait, say that again? Debuted in the USL championship for North Carolina FC in a friendly versus Swansea City. McMaster. Wrong? Though I like the McMasters. Uh Amen. Montgomery. No, oh, but you're getting warmer. Uh Montgomery wasn't born in the United States. Miller. Uh, That's right. He was the 2019 USL Championship Defensive Player of the Year. Metonier. Not born in the U.S., but like like the guest. David? Is it DJ Taylor? DJ Taylor! Ding, 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 ding. You win. Um, DJ Taylor uh, was born on... August 25th, sorry, 26th. And so he celebrated his birthday last Friday. Happy belated birthday, DJ Taylor. Uh, hey. You are this week's Better No Loon. Cool. All right. Well, let's take a quick break. Uh, we'll come back. We will discuss some gopher soccer very briefly, Minnesota Aurora, and then talk about the upcoming matches this week. We have two to talk about. So two, two we'll, be, we'll be right back. You. <laughs> Want me to be that type of dude, and I want you be who you like me to, but we both know I can't do nothing at all. Oh, yeah. All right, and we are back uh, with uh, Gopher Soccer. Uh, season has just kicked off. The Gopher Hawk Soccer, sorry, <clears throat> had their first their home match, home opener. This past Thursday against Cal Poly, unfortunately losing one to nothing. And then they went down to Mississippi State, where they also lost to one to nothing. I didn't see either of these games, so don't have much to say about them. They need to uh, stop conceding goals late. Um, somewhere around the 74th, 80th minute, legs are getting tired. Brains are getting tired. They're maybe in a situation where they're trying to get a, a one last goal. And so... Just your defensive susceptible. Yep. They have the opportunity <clears throat> to right the ship this weekend. Um, starting Thursday, actually. Thursday, uh, the first, they play at 1 p.m. at Elizabeth Lyle Robbie Stadium uh, against Drake. <clears throat> and then they go to North Dakota on Sunday, the 4th, at 1 p.m. That 1 p.m. game against, uh, on, against Drake on Thursday, I'm semi-seriously considering going to that game since I won't have the kids. 1 p.m. kickoff in the afternoon. It does suck uh, that it's up by the third round. Let me know if you want to pregame at Stouts Pub because I will I will be actually more likely to show up if you want to. Okay. I'll uh I'll I'll think about it. The, all, the problem was be is like just the, getting there because with the state fair and shit. So um, yes, that that will be <laughs> so trying to figure out that logistical situation kind of sucks. Um, so yeah. <clears throat> Uh, any way you go, I would like consider, you know, going all the way up to as as far north as like County C and taking County C across or something. Yeah. Otherwise, we could just like we could, you know, tailgate go somewhere else, tailgate in the parking lot. And yeah, not not go to Stouts and just drink in the parking lot over there. So, oh, you know, that's even a better idea. <laughs> 
because he could take 280 then he kind of he could kind of circumvent some traffic there anyways let's we'll talk offline about that so um yeah. if you're if anybody's interested in going to that game let us know it might get us uh give us a kick Maybe in the post butt game at inside brewing or station 280 or something there you go um all right minnesota aurora they had a mascot announcement uh yesterday sunday the 28th Aurorasaurus. Um, rory, rory the aurorasaurus um if you haven't checked it out, they had a, a, a great video on, I don't know if they put it on Instagram. I'm assuming they put it on Instagram, but uh, they did it definitely did it on Facebook. Cause I, uh, it's from the Jurassic park when they first see the dinosaurs in Jurassic park um, <laughs> with, you know, uh, Sam, Sam Neil, like putting his hand down and like grabbing uh, Dr. Sattler's head and turning her and, and, you know, having her come up and take off her glasses. And it was a really two minute video. Super awesome. I know that they were at the parade uh, yesterday at the state fair to uh, unveil the mascot. And I've already seen that there's mascot merch out there uh, with course a, there is. a t-shirt with the, the picture of the, of the uh, Aurora Saurus. So super cool. Uh, mascot. shout out to our friend Mel and uh, Stefan Wank and some other people, Andy call who have been at the state fair representing the Revanchalet as they uh, are allowed to be in the Minnesota Aurora booth, telling people not just about the club, but about the supporters group. Cool. Yay. That's awesome. That is super cool. Yeah. We did that one year with the, with Minnesota United with the dark clouds and TNE. And it was, it was pretty cool. So long days at the fair. I, I don't miss previous jobs. I used to you know have to like work the fair and, and staff it and, and oh, get God. volunteers and stuff. And good <clears> Lord. <throat> Days when volunteers don't show up, you have a 12 hour day and it's, it's, uh, it's the fair's fun for like, you know, four or five hours. And then it's, <laughs> then I don't need to be there anymore. So. As long as you're spending about $20 an hour. <clears throat> uh, so cool. <clears throat> so yeah. So check out the, if you go to the fair between now and, and Labor Day, uh, definitely the, the Aurora booth is in the fan central building. I, if I'm not mistaken, I think they're right next to Minnesota United this year. So I'm sure you'll see, if you go to the Aurora booth, I'm sure you'll see somebody that, you know, um, you know, working, working the booth as well. And if you <clears throat> see Stefan or Mel or Andy, make sure to say hi. All right. <clears throat> we do have a couple games coming up. Uh, RSL on Wednesday at eight 30 in, uh, at Rio Tinto. So this will be a later start. And then FC Dallas again for another matinee this coming Saturday at Allianz field. Uh, how do you want to t- tackle these two teams? Uh, RSL is favored at home against us. Um, I think they're like, like plus 100. Um, we're uh, like plus 275, and I think a draw is plus 200. We've never beaten RSL in Rio Tinto as Minnesota United. Um, there's a <clears throat> there's a epic uh, Minnesota Thunder going to Rio Tinto and beating RSL back in the U.S. Open Cup days. Uh, story. 2012, baby. <clears throat> uh, they do call it the take the money and run game, um, where we pay the RSL paid us the pleasure of, of kicking their ass. We, uh, in, we won the coin toss to host yeah. the game, and then and they gave they, us money so they could host it there. And then we went there and kicked the shit out of them and came back home with a with a victory. So yeah. I think the post game Jason Christ uh, interview is still up on YouTube somewhere. And it is my favorite thing to watch and masturbate to. <laughs> wow. That is a strong statement. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, all right. So let's start with RSL first. Obviously, um, they are, yeah, they play. And uh, so to be fair, so Dallas 
RSL and Dallas. So Dallas is right behind us in fourth place. RSL is currently sitting in fifth place. So this is a really big week for Minnesota. Um, if Minnesota wins both of these games, they've all but locked up a uh, top four uh, spot in the Western Conference and a home game for the first playoff match. Um, you know, what are the actual expectations for this week? I think a draw again in Rio Tinto and a, a win against Dallas at home. So four points is probably the more realistic. But man, six points against RSL and Dallas over the this week would be would be huge, huge matches that for would be a 12 point swing, misses. right? I mean, or these are both six, six point games. They really are. Yeah. Um, I didn't look at the, uh, let me see the, what the actual um, difference is. I know we're up on Dallas, but I think one point, I think we have 43 or 44 points. We have 44 and Dallas has, or excuse me, Salt Lake has 39. And then Dallas is 43. Is that, Correct. Okay. So, yeah, so these are huge, huge uh, games for Minnesota. Um, Like I said, let's start with RSL. They are, you know, they're one of those teams that just, they don't, they don't have anybody crazy on their team, but they still just just... super handsy and aggressive (laughs) and just like put my body in between dirt and ball or player and dirt my head like they just fling themselves all over the damn pitch if I remember correctly and 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 they always frustrate the shit out of me with their like less than graceful like under like it feels like dirty play to me because they get away with it but it's it's a very frustrating opponent in my experience yeah mj uh justin glad plays center back for them they have this center midfielder who i find very frustrating both in the handsy department that jess is talking about and being pretty good on the ball uh jasper loffelson um luthison sorry forgot about the umlaut jasper luthison and, you know, uh, yeah, just kind of watch out for that guy because, like, he likes to get handsy. He likes to get dirty. Um, but he also can be creative on, on the attacking side. Oh, and then there's a dude named Justin Murrum who also mm, likes yeah. to eat loons for breakfast. <clears throat> As you have to say, Justin Murrum. Uh, Zach McMath, uh, goalkeeper, has been in the league for a long time. The McMathlete, as he used to be called uh, by – Bruce and Wes. Um, best McMathlete out there. Best McMathlete out there. That is true. So, yeah, so it's just, it's a, and coached by Pablo Mastriani. I should, we should also, also add there as well. And they also have um, Rubio Rubin, who didn't start against uh, Dallas this past weekend, but is again another one of those players that seems to, um, and Anderson Julio, who always seems to have oh, Minnesota's, yeah. he likes to score goals. Minnesota's number. He scored a goal against uh, Dallas. He scored the, 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 the tying goal against Dallas uh, over the weekend. So um, Ecuadorian uh, striker. So it could be a tough match for Minnesota. Um, I, I think will be, I mean, honestly, how we play them, it, it really depended upon who is stepping in to that center back position. Is it going to be Coleman? Are they going to go with sort of the the hand that they know in terms of players playing together? Or, I mean, is Heath not 
making shit up and and he thinks Ariaga could be a guy who would step back there. So it'll be interesting to see. Oh. I, I think we go ahead, Jess. Real Salt Lake hasn't won a home match in four straight home matches. That makes me feel pretty good. Or at least better. Yeah, I don't want to for sure. your parade, Jess, but Loon's playing again at altitude. And, and we just suck up there. I mean, we literally are sucking air. Suck. Yeah. We're, I think we have one. So RSL has beat us one time there. And then I think we have three draws. And if I remember correctly, they're all pretty pedestrian, like zero, zero or one, one draws or not, not many fireworks in this game. And I don't honestly, I expect this to be maybe a two or three goal game. So, you know, two to one or one to one or something like that. I mean, Minnesota to the two, you know, to Minnesota, they're a better team than RSL. They should be we able are. to go in. The, we should be able to go up there and, control the match, uh, play our style of play. But again, you know, we, you saw we were, we were sucking wind towards the end of the first half against that Houston game. Um, I mean, the altitude thing I'm not as concerned about just because they'll probably fly in day of. Um, so the altitude won't really be an issue. I don't think maybe they, they fly in, you know, the night before maybe a little bit, but so I'm not so much concerned about altitude as I am concerned about um, our defensive uh cohesiveness and what that looks like because that could easily we could easily see what happened against houston in that stoppage time of the first half where we have some defensive miscommunication and you know people dogging back on on playing defense and then rsl has players that can 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 pay make you pay for that so what do we think uh as the result mj let's start with you one one draw all right jess who won loans? Like All it. Right. I like it. I am also going to go with a draw, and I think one to one as well. So, all right, okay. and that takes wait, us. Wait, wait, wait. That was. Yep. That was ourselves. Yep. Mm. All right, so let's move on to Dallas, which has a few more attacking options, especially attacking options that the you know casual U.S. men's national team fan would know. Uh, again, this game is on Saturday at 2.30 at Allianz. It, FC Dallas has probably the at least one of the uh, strikers going to the to going to Qatar this summer in Jesus Ferreira. Uh, also, Paul Paul Ariola, uh, US other US men's national team mainstay, probably on the plane to Qatar. Uh, who else you want to highlight here, MJ? Well, somehow they got Sebastian Legett from LA Galaxy. Like it. Like it, yep. And uh, uh, Pascal Pomegal, right? Yeah, Paxton Pomegal is still there. They, yeah, let's play in the fourth. Yeah, that yeah, fucker. Uh, He's good. Uh, yeah, uh, Dallas plays in a, a four three three. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of kids. Although their lineup this past uh, week against uh, RSL was heavy on the on the, especially in the attacking, um, heavily on some some you know. More established now. Not let's say that these, you know, like Pomico came up through the system. Obviously, Jesus Ferreira came up through the system. But guys who played, uh, you know, played some MLS minutes. Although the, you know they're not. Um, uh, Nico Estevez is not afraid to throw out some some you know random 16, 17, 18 year old, especially away. But I think they'll be looking at the game in midweek to see how Minnesota does 
And, you know, that must, this might be an opportunity for them to, you know, to leap, to leap us. I think they have, I think we have a game, at least one game in hand on Dallas, maybe even two games in hand. So they, they really need a result to, you know, try and maintain um, that third place spot that they were in we before do, the we match. We have two games in hand. And does Dallas play midweek? Do you know? I didn't look and see it there. Um, I'll look. They don't. So we'll actually. So we'll, yeah. So we'll 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 make up one of those games this week with uh, RSL. Um, so Dallas will be looking at this game as a potential, you know, opportunity to leapfrog Minnesota yes. and and get back into the third third spot. So the other, I guess, other players to highlight: Marco Farfan um, has been. Seems like he's been in the league forever. He's only 23 years old. Um, but I feel like that dude has been playing um, professional soccer for seven or eight years. And, I feel uh, like whenever we play them, you hear his name a lot, which is for a fullback saying something because usually he's trying to defend a, a loon and probably doing a pretty good job of it. And then right. getting in on the attack and kind of causing some trouble. So... Right. And then uh, speaking of center backs, the other only other player I'll point out, um, mainstay in FC Dallas defenses, Matt Hedges uh, yes. is a is a really good, um, really good center back for them as well. So, you know, I think, you know, pound Him for pound, Amaria is going to be fun to watch. It will be see how Luis can be kind of clever at creating space or finding space for him and also maybe making some dummy runs or runs to try to get pull Matt Hedges out of position. We'll see yeah. if that happens. Yeah, it's interesting. This, you know, in terms of the attack, um, there's not many attacks I, I put up against Minnesota's in terms of um, creativity and things like that. But uh, Paul Ariola, Jesus Ferreira, and, and Alan Va- Velasco. Velasco. Yeah, yeah, Alan Velasco are all um, really good. Velasco's only 20 years old. Uh, Ferreira is only 21. Um, so those dudes like to run. So again, this goes back to our the question with RSL is like, what does our defense look like? Um, we definitely need to be responsible and uh, composed. And Dane needs to really make sure, and, and Boxel really needs to lead that line and make sure everybody knows their job and what they're, you know, what they need to do, what 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 their responsibilities are. And everybody needs to step up. This is going to be a big, this will be a big week for our defense. If, if we can you know, play these two games, you know, come out with, you know, maybe a goal allowed four points, you know, ideally six points, but, you know, probably four points that really solidifies us is a, a top four team. And I think we'll alleviate a lot of concern that mm-hmm. uh, Minnesota United fans will have with, with Debassi going down. So what's yeah, uh, it's time to show up and show out. That is right. So uh, MJ, who you got for Minnesota and Dallas on Saturday? Gosh, this is tough. Uh, I'm going to be the negative Nathan, and I'm going to pick uh, Loons lose 2-1 at home. Do you have this as a one-point week, huh? I do. Okay. I'm going to go with a Loons win, 3-1. to one. I think we just have too much firepower for uh, Dallas. Jess, what do you got? It's hard. It's hard to say it. No, 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 no. I'm I'm gonna go two one loons win. Nice. Like it. I'm I'm calling six points. 
All right. Six points would be huge this week. Huge. Unstoppable. It would be it would be a big a big get six points for sure. Um, <clears throat> I think that would all, all but lock up a playoff spot too, if I'm not mistaken. So mm-hmm. um, with only five games left in the in the playoffs uh, for Minnesota. So okay, well you there you have it. We have a big week for Minnesota. Uh, lots of questions that need to be answered. Uh, hopefully we get some answers uh, on Wednesday. Uh, I'll be at the Blackheart at eight thirty for the RSL match. I actually play my own soccer match at six thirty over at Concordia. Um, at the football field over there. If anybody wants to come heckle me before going over to the Blackheart. Uh, otherwise, yeah, we'll see you all on Saturday at Allianz Field. Uh, please remember to rate and review the podcast, patreon.com slash the Daves I know at TDIKMN on Twitter if you want to get a hold of us. I'm at Texas Zeller. MJ is at MJ Matsui and Jess is at Jessica 1440839 Uh We've been the Daves You Know. This is the Dave. I know. Alright, see y'all soon. Bye. As you do yours, land here, become feet, con. Yeah, uh, we, we do yeah. our thing, son. Through the act, we attract two, hope to reach one. Uh, we, yeah. we, we do our thing, do it. We do our thing, son. Some will paint a piece, some will spray with a machine gun. It's mad work to be done. We, we, we do our thing, son. Y'all, son, y'all, son, son, son. Y'all know we can't do nothing at all. Nothing at all. Nah, 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 nah,